Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear us Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. This program has been rated PG. Parental guidance is suggested. It will be presented in its entirety. I was a latchkey kid. I've said it before. I mean, my mom, dad got divorced, and mom had us, and we'd get home. I lived within walking distance of my my junior high school, and I'd walk right, you know, a quarter of a mile home just from school right there, and I'm home, go home, sister's there, lock the door, wait till mom gets home from work. Watch television. <laughs> yeah, see, you were the right kind of latchkey kid. Yeah. My parents tried to latchkey me out of the house most of the time. <laughs> it was like a retroactive thing. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's where I got my dose of television. I mean, I, I got I wanted to get all my homework done at school. Yes. Home. Or the times I rode the bus, I get it all done because, like I said, I had important television watching to do. That's I don't right. want that homework to get in Yeah, you'd get home and, uh, and you'd <laughs> right. have, like... Um, the Brady Bunch, you'd have right, Gilligan's Island, yeah, Star Trek, Star Trek. Sometimes on two different show stations. Yeah, you know because it's a syndication, and you couldn't miss. And you, you did the miss. same thing. You did the same thing I did. Well, speaking on there, we're going to take a break, get things back on track here, and uh, we'll come back with uh, with me. Walt Murray is in here with me today because Alan is out. I guess that restraining order. He's having to. Uh, he's having to check that out. And glad they finally got that in place. Fix that up and make sure that's all right. And we'll be back. And now, these messages. A is for apples, J is for jacks, cinnamon toasty apple jacks. You need a good breakfast, that's a fact. Starting off with apple jacks. Apple jacks, apple jacks. There's a real apple that's what it packs. Apple tasty, crunchy too. Kellogg's apple jacks. Apple jacks, apple jacks. Apple jacks cereal from Kellogg's. Part of your good breakfast. Apple jacks. And Jemima Pancakes without her syrup Is like the spring without the fall There's only one thing worse in this universe That's no Aunt Jemima's at all Aunt Jemima's without Aunt Jemima syrup? That's free. Now back to the show. Oh
Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. One Day at a Time was an American sitcom that aired from 1975 to 84. It followed the lives of a divorced mother, played by Bonnie Franklin, and her two teenage daughters, played by Valerie Bertinelli and Mackenzie Phillips, as they navigated a new life in Indianapolis. The show was created by Whitney Blake and Alan Mannings and was groundbreaking for its time. It tackled a number of social issues that were still considered quite taboo, including teen sex, birth control, and drug use, while still retaining its comedic element. The portrayal of a strong, independent woman and her family resonated with audiences at the time, as it was one of the first television shows to feature an openly divorced woman as the main character. Its approach to family dynamics and social issues helped pave the way for future generations of TV shows that would tackle similar styles and themes. One Day at a Time has remained a beloved classic of American television, known for its engaging characters, witty writing, and heartfelt moments. The show's memorable theme song was composed by the husband and wife team of Jeff and Nancy Berry and sang by the recording artist Polly Cutter. Both its catchy one-liners and relatable characters have all contributed to its enduring popularity. This is Pat McCormack with your Retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. Be sure to check out my Retro TV radio podcast available on most popular podcast platforms. And now back to BK on the Air. W-E-H-F in Cartersville. This is it, this is it, this is life, the one you get, so go and have a ball. This is it, this is it, straight ahead and rest assured, you can't be sure at all. So while you're here, enjoy the view, keep on doing what you do. day at a time hey as a kid my my uh, mom and sister and i we watched that show growing up thank you pat mccormick for that golden rage of tv spot about one day at a time yet another feather in a cap for a tv producer creator norman lear i mean you and i are talking while we were while pat was doing that report just now and we we're talking about how many shows he just had a birthday not too long ago how many shows was the guy involved in i mean there were so many shows that had his name on it and so many of them are iconic Legendary, shows successful. I had generation. a couple of flops that didn't do as well. And, I mean, I, I will never be able to name all of them, but, uh, you know, all, all, the, all the Archie Bunker universe, all in the family spun off the Jeffersons. The Jeffersons spun off Good Times. I'm sorry, the Jeffersons spun off, uh, and then we had Maud. Maud, yeah, right. Was Edith's cousin. Then from Maud, Maud spun off Good Times because Florida on Good Times was Maud's housekeeper right. for a while. Then you had uh, Archie, uh, All in Family turned into Archie Bunker's Place. Mm-hmm. Once that show ended, it just changed names. Then actually Gloria from All in right. the Family had like a very short-lived, not even a season of a show called Gloria. It wasn't, wasn't well-received, didn't do well, but it was a spinoff. Uh, Florence, the housekeeper, housekeeper, the housekeeper, <laughs> she's a creeper too, totally the joke. housekeeper from the Jeffersons, Florence, you know, the quick-witted, funny housekeeper. Yeah. 
uh, spun off on her own show from from uh, the Jeffersons called Checking In because she became the head uh, oh, uh, supervisor yeah. at a hotel somewhere in New York or somewhere. And uh, had Larry Linville from MASH as her yes. boss on it. Didn't didn't last long. I think it was not even a season or two. Maybe that lasted. And then that spun off from that. And then you had, uh, <clears throat> then on NBC, Norman Lear developed uh, Fred Sanford and Sanford and Son, which mm-hmm. is completely unrelated to Archie Bunker, but I always wanted them to meet each other. Yes. That would have been so good to have oh a Fred gosh. Sanford and Archie Bunker crossover. Can you crossover. imagine that battle royale? It would, that would make George Jefferson and Archie Bunker look tame oh, if you met Fred. But... Uh, but you know him and uh, Red Fox and our, and Carol O'Connor did appear together on Red Fox's Variety Hour show that he had for a little while in yeah. the late '70s, early '80s as two buddies. They weren't playing those characters, but they were they were together. And uh, man, Norman Lear, he he um, he developed a show. You remember Mary Hartman? Mary Hartman. Yeah. Okay. As a kid, I didn't watch it because that it was just a subject matter that I didn't get. You know, and the title sequence turned me off. It was I'm more of an stupid, adult yeah. focus show. But you know, no one wanted to do that show. I don't even think I don't even think CBS, um, I don't think I don't think CBS even wanted to do it. So what they had to do was, they had to take uh, he Norman Lear learned from the people who put together and did Space 1999, the sci-fi movie, which no one in America was interested in. So the people who did Space 1999, the Andersons, produced it and shopped it and put it out on their own through syndication oh, as their first run show on no networks, just stations would carry it. That's what Norman Lear did with Mary Hartman and Mary Hartman because wow. CBS didn't, I think they didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he, he said, I learned from the guys who did Space 1999 how to market this show and how to get it out there. I thought that was a funny tie-in to that show, how he learned how to get that show out. Yeah, and, and it was like the first time, well, Battlestar was kind of the first time they viral videoed something into the general population. Uh, yeah. And it was it was it was amazing. But one day at a time, that's kind of where I started my. Uh, that's where that's where my crush on Valerie Bertinelli started. I don't know about you. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and Eddie Van Halen must have had a crush on her at one point, and her on him at one point. Well, and, and, but and yeah. not that Eddie wasn't already awesome enough. Sure. When he yeah. married Valerie Bertinelli, yeah. I think every guy in our generation was like. That guy's the man. Yeah, and a lot of girls are like, eh, she's she's lucky too. He can play guitar to her every night as yeah. they fall asleep. So yeah, the, a great show tackled a lot of stuff like uh, runaways, uh, teenagers drinking alcohol on one day at a time. They had to address that. You know, a single mom raising. You know, I think I I think I gravitated toward one day at a time and actually watched it when I was a kid because it was really it kind of wasn't a kid show. No. But when I watched it as a kid, I think I'm like, I can identify this because my mom's divorced and she has two kids, me and my sister. And yeah. I think that's what appealed to it was me watching it and go, oh, I kind of I kind of get this show. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's my life. I, we're not two sisters. We're a brother and sister. But it's the same situation. My mom's trying to make ends meet with dad gone, you know, and stuff. And that's kind of what Anne Romano, played by Bonnie Franklin, in One Day at a Time was trying to do. Going back to Norman Lear, he was an incredible producer, uh, a creator of these shows, and you you know, I guess I guess they learned later, like, well, if Norman Lear's producing it, we should just go ahead and let him do it. <laughs> I, I think his, one of his biggest his track strengths was something that big. you were talking about a minute ago, and that was that he had his thumb on the pulse of a changing society. Oh yeah, and was able to um, to take those. Uh, those changing mores, values, and situations in our society, right? And package them in a way that the networks could accept them, and that people could really relate to. Oh, and the story, and all the stories that they would, 
the people that he would have write the stuff, and I think he wrote some stuff too, but the stuff that he would do had never been really explored on television no, before. He was the one that brought all not. those controversial uh, storylines. You know, there was, a, there was an episode of All in the Family where this guy broke in with, uh, during Edith's 50th birthday yes. and he was going to rape her. Yeah. He didn't. But he was, it was like a, he was going to, he attacked her and held her hostage and stuff. And they were all next door waiting for her and she couldn't escape and get away from him. And I remember, you know, it was probably one of the loudest cheers in television history because, you know, all in the family was filmed in front of a real audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No canned laughter there. No. Uh, and when Edith, she had to, she, she, her, she was baking a cake for herself for her birthday. And when the guy who was, who was going to attack her had, had, had her in the living room you know, pinned her down. She goes, he goes, oh, I smell something burning. And her, her cake was burning in the oven. So when she went to the oven to pull the cake out, he came up and goes, get rid of it, get rid of it. And she takes it, throws it in his face because it's hot, yep. burns him, hits him, runs out the front door, and the audience goes mad. That's yeah. the loudest reaction from an audience I think I've ever heard in my life. Well, and it was such a unique moment in so many ways, but also for that character because she had been such a wallflower Oh yeah, and for her to stand up and protect herself like that, and um, and to take charge of that horrible situation and and um, and get away with that that was an amazing step forward for that character. Oh yeah, it was great, and uh, I think one of the long- it may have been beaten since then, but I think at one point the longest recorded laugh on television where a live audience had to just sit there and let them laugh before they could say their next line was the episode where Sammy Davis Jr. showed up in Archie's cab and he had to come over and pick up his briefcase that he left in the cab. Yeah. And they and he goes, hey, could I get a picture with you before you leave? And he goes, okay, I want you to take the picture of me and Archie on three. One, two, three. And when he did it, he turned around and kissed Archie. Yes. And the, and the, 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 the camera flashed on the kiss and the audience laughed for like over 30 seconds, I think. I mean, it was, I think it was at the time the longest recorded laugh of a live audience on TV. That. And it was so it perfect. Was amazing. I mean, it was. such a perfect scene. It was great. And as a kid, you and I talked about it. We didn't watch Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, because we didn't get it. Yeah. But I watched All in the Family oh, as a I kid. Too. I don't know why I got it, but I got some of it I didn't get. I'm like, oh, why? What is, that, what is that about? What are they talking about? And I knew it was a little spicy or controversial yeah, side. and i'm like I'm, maybe i should ask mom about that maybe i should i don't yeah, want to ask mom uh but it was i watched it i watched the jeffersons as a kid a lot of his shows i want and i love sanford's son i mean Ugh. even you you have from the mtv uh, from the me i'm sorry the me tv store you have a sanford son t-shirt yes it's <laughs> you ordered from me my daughter oh no yes. she got it Yes, but yeah, the and fact it, the fact that your daughter stole your Sanford and Son shirt and is wearing it makes her cool. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So, so. Yeah, but uh, it, it is such an iconic show. It's and great. It's so great. It's and, great. And again, it it went at a lot of heavy social topics, but it did oh, it yeah. in such a great humorous way. And Red Fox was just a master. Oh, he was he was long before Richard Pryor, Eddie oh, Murphy, yeah. any of those stand up guys. He was he was first. He started it. And uh, have you ever heard of you know maybe not in mixed company like Richard Pryor, but you know listen to Red Fox stand up albums sometimes oh, yeah. in your own very private carefully in your own private carefully. area. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's always great. So another interesting fact about All in the Family is when I got older and starting being paying more attention to like directing and, and the technical way of things are put together i'd watch all in the family you know later in life as an adult and i'm like what's going on here that that one scene that one scene where archie was just talking to edith his shirt and his hair look a little different 
And then when they mm. cut back to him again, and it looks back like it did. Well, they did. They would film one show in front of an audience yeah. and then film another show in front of an audience, fine-tune it from the way the audience reacted earlier that day, and fine-tune it for the second performance it did, and then the one they aired would edit the two together for air. So you might see a different take from the later audience performance that day. Now I understand that's why it looked a little different. It didn't look... You didn't have different clothes on. It just looked a little different. Yeah, sure. You can you can tell. Speak down there. We'll be back and flash the audience. <laughs> Nitpick? Let me tell you something, Mr. Bunker. No, let me tell you something, Mr. Stivic. You are a meathead. <laughs> <laughs> a meathead. Dead from the neck up. Meathead. <laughs> I see what your idea of a free country is. You're free to say anything you want, but if, but if anyone disagrees with you, they're either thrown into jail or called a meathead, right? That's right, because this is America land that I love. Well, I love it too, Mr. Bunker, and it's because I do like protest when I think things are wrong. And stand beside her. And guide her. The right to the sink is the principle upon which this country was based. With the light from above. Listen to me. It's in the Bill of Rights. From the mountains. Why do you think we broke away from England to begin with, huh? Because we didn't agree with her. We demanded freedom. with folks. Gee, it's nice like you. It's nice like you. We're all missing the reason. I mean, you're not listening to anything. You're totally closed-minded. We're prejudiced. We're prejudiced. We're prejudiced. Not anymore. I'm leaving. We'll return after these messages. Hello, my jolly John Quills. Hello, daisies. Why, you're not my daisy. Right, Mother Nature. Their new chiffon wear bowls taste. It's my sweet, creamy butter. Nope, that's chiffon margarine. Chiffon margarine? Oh, no. It's my butter, all right. Chiffon fooled even you, Mother Nature. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. If you think it's butter, but it's not, it's chiffon. You can roll a roll to your pal. It's chocolate-covered caramel. Rollo to your chums. It's chewy and it's chocolate and it's lots of fun. Rollo, chewy caramel and real milk chocolate all rolled together. Rollo. You can roll a Rollo to your friend. It's chocolate covered caramel from end to end. I've fallen and I can't get up. We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. We're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. You can stream online at WBHFradio.org. If you're sitting at your computer or got your phone or something like that, listen to me anywhere you want. I want to make a correction on that. Uh, Chance called in and did correct me about Derek Meddings and Brian Johnson doing the effects for Space 1999. I kind of thought he did the first season, Derek Meddings, but but no, I think he I think he did UFO, and then uh, Brian Johnson moved in, and they started with Space 1999. Both of them, though, great special effects uh, wizards of their time because they were using miniatures and stuff that looked great on camera and uh, no computer effects back then. I mean, even the, even the view screens on Space 1999 were... Uh, 
when the, when the people would come on and talk. And you remember it, Walt. They were black and white. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Usual black and white screens. But in 1976 and 77 on television, that still looked futuristic to me. Oh. I mean, to have, and they had the little handheld, you know, Star Trek had the flip open communicators like cell phones, but Space 1999 had the handheld ones that had the little picture of them talking to them on a black and white screen in their hand on their comm lock. Right. That was even better. I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. So it was a great show and kind of a great tie in. Uh, using that comparison to uh, Lou Grade and, and ITC and the way they shopped Space 1999 in the syndication, and that's the way uh, Norman Lear shopped around to show uh, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman was by their, their example. Even Martin Landau had talked about that in a uh, in an interview. It's that time where we like to flash the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. Wait, is somebody calling? Was somebody calling? I think somebody was calling. Let's see. Hello. There. Hey, it's uh, Chris. Thanks for bringing by the coffee. Hey, uh, You're awesome. Yeah, that was from a uh, rustic <laughs> coffee box at the farmer's market. You're so cool to do that. We appreciate that like you wouldn't believe. Hey, no problem. Uh, I was going to mention something that you were talking about earlier. I was kind of stuck in the rain for a little bit, but I was listening to the speakers outside talking about, um, you were talking about, um, like, commercial jingles and things like that. Yeah. Um, I actually met the voice actress for uh, Sailor Moon, uh, the anime Sailor Moon, she's the same. She's the same lady that did the Hot Pockets jingle. When you want a hot meal without a big deal, what are you gonna pick? Hot Pockets. That's her, really. That one. It's that one exactly. That's, that's funny. Well, you never you never know what but these people do because that's their job, and they and they do so many things that you don't even know about later. And you find out about it. Yeah. I had to get I had to get her autograph from my brother and sister in law. They're huge Sailor Moon fans. Oh, I thought you were going to say they were huge Hot Pockets fans. They probably like Hot Pockets too. They like Hot Pockets too, but it was great because she she was talking about Sailor Moon and everything, wow. and then she actually did she actually did the Hot Pockets jingle. That's that's fun. funny. I would say Sailor Moon had hot pockets, but that would be crude, and I wouldn't say that on the air. But, uh, no, the, no. <laughs> but anyway, you know what's funny? Just to show us the difference of how we how we would like people is if I met the lady, I'd probably want her to sign a pack, uh, an empty pack of hot pockets for me because <laughs> that's what I knew her from. So that's great. Chris, that's great. Think about that. Always, always good to hear from you, buddy. I appreciate everything that uh, you're doing. I'm glad you're out there listening. And thanks for the coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All righty. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's, I did not know that that was the same lady. I, I appreciate didn't him calling yeah. and telling me that. So you do find out that certain voices are, uh, oh, they do that voice and they do that voice. But uh, we found out while we were doing it. And by the way, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube to Dave Sundstrom's channel. Uh, Dave Sundstrom, we do a, uh, he does a live YouTube chat video, and he also does uh, podcast videos over there about classic, uh, classic nostalgic stuff, m- m- mostly television from the fifties up to the eighties and stuff. And he's he, he's got a great following, great channel, great guy too, by the way. But every now and then, he and Pat McCormack with the Golden Rage of TV, who's on this program as well. And Thrash Pondo Pons, another guy who has a live YouTube video, we all get together for something called the Retro Palooza together, and we discuss stuff from nostalgia in the old days and stuff. And uh, we have one up. He has one up now. Look for it. Uh, I, all four of us are on this one where we talk about our TV crushes, our biggest TV crushes that we have from the 50s all the way up to the 80s on television. You know, and I, I could never pick just one, so I was making the, the, the show run late because I couldn't think of just one I had. Oh, I had two or three <laughs> that I crush on. But it's a great episode. Check it out. And what made, that, what made me remember that is uh, some people's crush from the 70s 
was the girl that that replaced Farrah Fawcett on uh, Charlie's Angels, Cheryl Ladd. Oh, sure. And yeah. I found out many years later that Cheryl Ladd, she was an accomplished singer, too. She's a very good singer. Yeah. Cheryl Ladd did a lot. I don't know if she did all of them, but she was involved in the... Uh, do you remember the cartoon from Hanna-Barbera in the 70s called Josie and the Pussycats? Oh, sure, yeah. She was one of the singers on, in the band. Really? That when they'd play the band singing and stuff, that was one of the singers was Cheryl wow. Ladd singing, and I did not know that. So, see, that kind of tied in with his whole Hot Pockets thing from you didn't know that was the voice of her. Well, I didn't know Cheryl Ladd was singing on uh, on Josie and the Pussycat. I never would have picked that out. But it, it is funny either. that every once in a while you hear a voice on a commercial, and it's like, wait, where do I that know that voice That sounds familiar. Yeah. How do I know that? That's like we were talking about uh, voices and stuff. And we did a voice. We did famous voiceover actors and cartoons and stuff. Uh, Alan and I appeared on Pat McCormack's. Uh, YouTube channel on the Golden Ridge of TV where we talked about uh, voice actors, some of our favorites and people that were legendary. And I discovered that uh, when, when you watch, remember when you watch Knight Rider with David Hasselhoff? Oh, sure. And when the show came on, you heard the voice say, Knight Rider. Knight Rider, a shadowy flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. And yeah, I found out it's Richard Basehart from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Oh, really? That's him that played Admiral Nelson. Wow, great that's actor himself too. By the way, he was in a movie, uh, a, 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 a classic film in the fifties called He Walked He Walked the Night or Walked by Night yeah, or something like uh-huh. that, and uh, went on to be in the remake of one of the remakes of uh, The Island of Doctor Moreau, where the I, the Doctor Moreau guy was experimenting on men and turning them into animals, yes. half animals, half humans. He was in the seventy seven version with Michael York. And he was he he played the oh. lawgiver. He had the he had the lion uh, the the cat like uh, animal makeup on. It was acting through that makeup. And he was great. You never saw Richard's face. You just saw that makeup. It's like when they picked actors to do the Planet of the Apes. They had to have oh. good actors in yeah. that makeup to do it, and they did. Yeah, and they had to all overact because they had the, over move their faces yeah. to make it move, and they did. I mean, it was it was great. So uh, voices are important. Oh, because yeah. you know faces are important too. That's why I'm on the radios because I have a exactly. face for radio. I got it's time that we in the same boat. Flash <laughs> the audience, but the face is a little thinner though. Our yeah. faces are thinner than they used to be. Yeah, so I got the uh, I got the first news from UPI. Public Works officials in Houston say that they do not know how an electronic construction sign came to display a profane message in Houston, Texas. Oh, boy. This happens sometimes. Drivers passing by the corner of Montrose and Westheimer captured photos Monday, this past Monday, of an electronic sign bearing an unusual message for commuters. Quote, due to weather, the sign's first message reads, before switching to a message reading, go yourself. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Witnesses says the sign displayed the message for hours before being shut off by a city inspector. Houston Public Works said it w- uh, does not a- does not operate the sign, and officials are still trying to find out it- the identity of its owner. A Public Works employee said the part of the sign that controls its message is locked inside of an attached box, indicating the person responsible for the message either has clearance to unlock the box or has enough experience with the equipment to know how to open it without being granted oh access. We gosh. might have to go back and check our uh, fired employees and see if there's anybody yeah, that might still know say, the that's code be a short list. to get in there because that looks like what it might be. I've seen creative ones. I, I've never personally saw a, a DOT sign or a sign like that with an expletive on it, but I have seen ones that say something funny, that someone's obviously getting a, having yes. a sense of humor or something like that. Or there was one that said, uh, uh, 
careful up ahead. Uh, Godzilla has been spotted or something like oh, yeah. that. It's uh-huh. Like okay, so uh, so yeah. So uh, the only thing that I don't like about those signs, the, the one thing I don't like about those signs is that they're they're necessary. I'm like, oh man, I'm so uh, I'm so tired. In Atlanta area, Atlanta Metro, we are the continuous construction sign so, orange cone city. They just become part wrong. of the. They are. They are like an art. It's like a work of art now. It's like it an is. art piece. The problem with Atlanta is, and I don't know if your big city that you live in is one, but as soon as Atlanta gets done, the Atlanta Metro here gets done with their construction that they're supposed to fix, it's when it's done, it's already obsolete. Yeah. It's like, oh, you've taken so long to do it that we're, we're behind again. It's BK on the air. We're going to take a break, and we'll flash the rest of the audience when we come back. The Tarzan Lone Ranger Adventure Hour will return after In the News and these messages. In the news, a big summit meeting. They were supposed to be discussing economic problems, but President Reagan and six other world leaders also used this week's meeting to get to know each other. We'll be back with a summit in Canada. In the news. Sponsored by the many fine products of General Foods. Time for delicious super sugar crisp, kids. Stealing my cereal isn't fair, so I'll turn into Superbear. It takes Superbear claws to climb Monkey Mountain and rescue Super Sugar Crisp from Evil King Popo Monkey. Superbear! I want that delicious cereal! Have a Superbear growl instead! Now we can have post-Super Sugar Crisp cereal as part of this nutritious breakfast. Can't monkey around with this bear! For some people, cola's become a taste habit they find hard to break out of. <laughs> Yet if they would only pour a glass full of crisp, clean-tasting 7-Up, they will find it's remarkably easy to enjoy a taste. Mmm, so light and refreshing. You know you love the taste of 7-Up. <laughs> Marvelous. So why let a taste habit keep you bottled up? Don't you feel for the mouth, 7-Up? <laughs> We now return to our program. It's okay if you don't understand what he's talking about. He probably doesn't either. It's BK on the Air on AM 1450 FM 100.3 and online using the TuneIn radio app. Yeah, Walt recognizes that lady's voice. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that I'd pop her in. My house right now. Yeah, she does. That's Walt's uh, beautiful daughter that he has. She came in and did some things for me. I want to uh, thank thanks again, Chance from Atlanta, to call in and about uh, correcting me about Derek Meddings in Space 1999. Brian Johnson, that did the effects for 1999, or the main guy, uh, he said the Empire Strikes Back. He went on to do uh, to be the uh, the effect kind of supervisor for that, working along with the guys, I guess, from IOM too. And uh, I forgot uh, Brian Johnson went on to do the effects for Alien in oh, 1979 yeah. as well, from before the Empire Strikes Back. So. The model making that they did back then that looks that that still held up on the big screen. So I, because I was telling you, I saw Alien, a re-release of Alien, and during an October thing somewhere, at a theater, and was watching a remastered print of Alien. Not nothing, nothing redone effects wise. Just they cleaned up the film. Watching those, the, the Nostromo and all the ships and all the space effects in Alien, and it was still beautiful on yeah, the big screen. It's not dated at all. So it was uh, it was great. Well, from noon to two today. Um, I don't know if you saw this. The uh, powers that be have 
designated that time as a time that people can call in and correct you on everything else. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, you so can. So noon to two. Yeah, hey, I don't so. mind. I don't mind being corrected. <laughs> <laughs> if you call from noon to two, you'll have to leave a voicemail. Yes, but <laughs> that's the, fine. The voicemail will be full right, in moments. Or something yeah. will be going on. So well, yeah. I have the next news. Okay, go right ahead. From the UPI, the trustworthy UPI. Good old UPI. Oh, I think we know where Alan is. The streets of a Portuguese town ran red when two vats of a local distillery burst and released nearly 600,000 gallons of wine. He's supposed to be in North Georgia. He went to Portugal. No, he's in Portugal. What's going on? Photos and videos captured by witnesses show the red <laughs> wine flowing through the streets of Sao something. In the, uh, yeah, there, yeah. After the vats burst into the uh, something or other. There were no injuries reported from the spill, but at least one cellar was said to have been flooded with wine. The distillery apologized for any damage caused to property. Local firefighters collected much of the escaped liquid and took it to a wastewater treatment plant, sadly. Pedro Carvalho, chief executive of the distillery, said nearly 600,000 gallons of wine flowed out of the facility over the course of about an Uh, hour. How much? 600,000 gallons. That's a lot of wine. He said the first vat burst due to a structural failure, and the force of the released wine caused the second vat to be knocked over. This is so sad. He told the New York (laughs) Times he did not expect there to be a lingering smell on the streets because it is a good quality wine. Well, thank goodness for that, because if it had been the cheap rot gut stuff, yeah, (laughs) they would have stuck with it forever. Be the rock gut district from then on. <laughs> Sorry, we got a we spilled a whole ton of ripple. <laughs> Talking about Fred Sanford, yeah, and Mad that's going to stink up to high heaven. Ugh. I got the next news. Oh, here's a local uh, story from Hartsfield-Jackson Airport in Atlanta. A dog that escaped from its crate at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta Airport has been found after three weeks on the loose in the in the airport hub. Paula Rodriguez said she and her dog Maya. We're flying from the Dominican Republic to San Francisco, but she uh, she learned during a layover in Atlanta that her tourist visa wasn't approved by border officials. Rodriguez had to spend the night at the at a Customs and Border Protection facility to await a flight home the next day, and the Delta Airlines took custody of uh, Maya, telling Rodriguez that the canine would meet her at the gate the next day. Rodriguez said that Maya was not at the gate the following day, and she only later learned the canine had escaped. A Delta spokesperson confirmed to CBS News that Maya had escaped while teams were transporting the pet in the operations area outside of the terminal buildings. That's how she got out. Robin Allgood, who works to find lost dogs, put up flyers around the airport and received a call last Saturday that Maya had been spotted. She arrived to find airport workers and a wildlife biologist trying to get Maya from out from under a large rack designed for cargo carriers. Allgood crawled under the rack and was able to secure Maya and return her. So a good uh, ending, a good ending to that story of a lost dog. That is, that's sad. I, I hey, I get nervous to... when my dog accidentally gets out in the front yard because she stays in the backyard where there's a fence and she. She's not one of those dogs that I can just let out. No. Because she's, she's like, it's like Steve McQueen and the Great Escape and Stalag. She's she's escaping. Yeah. And uh, she will come back eventually, but I don't like her running around because we're near a road and everything, so I don't like that. But have her gone that long at the airport, I'm like, I would lose my mind. Yeah, our dog would just follow the grills. If that <laughs> follow, where the, follow where the canteen is, the yes. restaurant, yes. All right, well, I have the next news. <laughs> Another one from the UPI. Police descended on a community space in Britain. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. 
when some local dog walkers mistook a yoga class group's meditation exercise for the results of a ritual mass murder. That's terrible to have all these people lying there. That is amazing. The Seascape Cafe at the North Sea Observatory in Chapel St. Leonard's, England, detailed the unusual incident on a Facebook post. Dear general public, please be mindful that the observatory has lots of yoga classes happening in the evening. We are not part of any mad cult or crazy clubs, the post said. (laughs) Laws said the class had already dispersed by the time police arrived at the building. She said she learned about the police's visit in a phone call from the building's manager. (laughs) I say, uh, I think that there's been a mass suicide over there. What should we do? Call the constable? (laughs) Pip-pip cheerio. Probably. I mean, we can joke about it because it wasn't one. I mean, if it was, it wouldn't be funny, but it wasn't, and that's... uh, that's interesting. I would hate to see. Well, what else could you think if you've never seen that? You see a bunch of people just lying there motionless. Now, the fact that they're in yoga pants and stuff might give yeah, you a clue. Yeah, the, the whole group. It's a Lululemon cult. But, <laughs> but we, we might, there might be something else afoot there. I've got the next <laughs> news. <laughs> oh, right up our alley in this show from UPI. A long-lost X-Wing fighter model used on screen in the original Star Wars from 1977 has resurfaced and is being auctioned. With an opening bid, would you like to take a stab? I like to do this to Alan sometime. Take a stab at what the opening bid. This is one of the original models they used in Star Wars, 1977 Star Wars. One million dollars. Oh, hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars. You're off by three hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand dollars. Opening bid. That's not just what they hope to fetch. Stay on target. That's crazy. Heritage Auction said the model was known as the Missing... <laughs> it actually has a title. It's called the Missing X-Wing until it was found in the collection of Greg Jinn, who died last year after a career in miniature uh, making that saw him earn awards and nominations for his work on projects including Star Trek. Yeah, I remember Greg Jinn's name being in, yeah. in Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, another special effects artist. Yeah. We were talking about Derek Meddings and Brian uh, Johnson earlier. The 124 scale miniature was one of the four created for filming close-ups in key moments for the famous third act battle in Star Wars, 1977, A New Hope, on the attack on the Death Star, and features red stripes on its top two wings, identifying it as the Rebel Alliance Squadron Red Leader. Yeah, it was Red, red leader. leader. So they, they marked the X-Wings just like World War II planes, used to put markings on there. That's what he modeled the whole really fight awesome. at the end, or was after watching World War II footage. The model also stood in stood in during some of the shots for Red 5, the ship piloted by Luke Skywalker, and Red 2, piloted by his buddy Wedge Antilles. Heritage Auctions says the X-Wing represents the pinnacle of Star Wars artifacts to ever reach the market. The model was considered lost by ILM for decades before it was identified by visual, ex, uh, visual effects experts helping Jen's family sort through his extensive collection of cinematic artifacts. And I, and I was unaware that uh, Greg Jen passed away. I'm sorry to hear that because yeah. he was very talented. The model is due to auction around, just to let you know if you want to bid on it, Oh yeah, October 14th through the 15th. That's well before our Halloween spooktacular. So, okay, you know, yeah. Starting price of Maybe I can 000. bring it in for our show. <laughs> if I win, fingers crossed. So, so yeah. Wow. So we're, we're, we're can you imagine what his collection must look oh, like? Oh, he must have a lot. And oh. there, he may be, may be up more for auction from his stuff. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have the next news. That's the last news. The last news, <laughs> Flash. 
All right, again, I get three UPIs. A Pennsylvania man earned a Guinness World Record by going to the movies 777 times in a one-year period. Zach Swope, 32. It's better than 666. Yes, definitely. And I'm glad it wasn't the same movie. Yeah. Zach Swope, 32, of Carlisle, started his attempt with a screening of Minions, Rise of the Gru, in July of 2022 and completed his record attempt with the showing of Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny one year later. Swope broke the record of 715 cent- set by French cinephile Vincent Crone in 2018. Swope said he saved on movie tickets at his local Regal Cinema by signing up for Regal Unlimited membership, which allowed him unlimited trips to the movies for $22 a month. That's not a bad deal. Regal employees monitored Swope during the screenings to make sure he was following the rules set by the Guinness World Record, which included not taking bathroom breaks or having any snacks or beverages during the films. That's kind of a weird rule. Yeah. The movie fan said he would uh, see up to three movies after work on a weekday and squeeze in more during the weekend. Swope said the movies he saw uh, the most were Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, with 47 viewings. Pretty cool. So, what's the deal about not being able to have snacks? I yeah, mean, what's a movie without I snow cows? I, I mean, if you if you have if you have snacks, then you have the problem of probably uh, having to go to the bathroom. So, I guess you wouldn't want to do that and have that interfere with that. But I was thinking about records that I could break, and uh, I get that could be one of them. But I'd, I'd have to take time, you know, out of my own life and working and paying bills and stuff to be able to do that. And I don't think I could do it. You know. Well, think about number one. You have a life. Yeah, it would be an easy one to do, but I couldn't. Seven hundred and seventy-seven movies a year, right? Times what? Let's. I mean, two hours each. That's fifteen hundred hours right. of movie viewing, at least. So uh, I don't know if that's. I don't know if I can do it. It had to be movies that I liked, obviously. Oh yeah. And stuff that I wouldn't fall asleep during, or something like that. But uh, Alan and I had this extensive conversation once on what records we could probably try to break. Like there was one where two guys were on the radio for several several hours. During a marathon, I'm like, we could do that, we could do that, but it would take some planning. Yeah, we could, do and that. I, the station would have to be willing to do that. <laughs> so it's out. Yeah, that wouldn't. I can't here. blame them. Yeah, that wouldn't happen here. So, uh, but it would be interesting to do. So, uh, we're gonna co- we're gonna take a break. It's top of the hour, and when we come back, I'm gonna have on this day in history a lot of interesting things on there, and some other stuff up for auction, and some other interesting stories. It is BK on the air, so I always have them for you right here. It's WBHF. We'll be back. Stand by to receive our transmission. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That are alive, you are coming with me. The Force will be with you. Always. God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. We're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. 
I'm your retro radio rocket man. I'm in the studio today with Walt Into Darkness Murray. Why do we call him that? Everybody tunes in and goes, why do you call him Into Darkness? I'm like, well, because not many people can boast that they have a guy. Alan Alan and I can do this. We can boast that a guy comes on our show sometimes. You fill in for Alan, and we do all the podcasts together sometimes. That we work with a guy, one of our friends, our dear friend Walt, who's a private investigator, by the way. So that scares us a little bit with Alan and I in our past. But but he Walt turns a blind eye. He knows when to do it. But um, you, we have a friend, which is you, who was in a Star Trek movie. You actually were in Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, I was. The movie. And I have an exclusive contract to be here only. This is the only radio <laughs> show that I appear on. We appreciate that, and we hope you live long and station. prosper. To do that, by the way. Uh, yeah, so we're so glad to have you. When you can fill in for Alan, I know he's happy that you're here. But, uh, oh, I'm happy yeah. to do it. So 770-386-1450 is our number. By the way, it was a huge sports huge sports thing on WBHF last night. We always carry the sports games and, and all the sports and everything that is sports and sports and sports and sports. And uh, I'll, I'll show you. I'll give you a little bit of that coverage last night. A big interview oh, here from last night during the big sporting event here on WBHF. Um, yeah, you know, we had a few odd man rushes there in the first period, which was uh, not good for us, but I mean, everyone had their nerves going and everything like that, and then which we were glad to just keep them to one and everything like that, and then we went back in the, after the period in the locker room, just talked about what we need to fix and everything like that, stick to the game plan, get back on it and everything like that, so just paid off, stick to the game plan, you know, Stiffen up defense and everything like that. No pinches, everything like that. You uh, moving on to the semifinals. Your uncle, Stu, played here a while back, uh, I think 20 years ago with Alexandria. Did you get any advice from him coming in here to the tournament? Um, yeah, I got a nice uh, long text from him this morning saying uh, don't let the atmosphere, uh, you know, get your nerves shaken up and everything like that. Just play your game, which is what I tried to do out here and everything like that. So, yeah. Definitely help from him and everything like that. Moving on to the semifinals, you get Stillwater. Your initial thoughts on the big matchup? Um, it should be a great game. I can't wait to play him. I know they're uh, doing good. Only one loss on the season, I believe, and everything like that. So I'm glad that the crack uh, sports team was there to cover that uh, <laughs> that interview. And it was a big game. I mean, it was it was really interesting the way they, they pulled that off and everything like that. Yes. So I'm well, glad I, that we were there to talk I, about I can that. say, as, as a hockey player, too, um, that we um, – we can really discuss. Did you play hockey? The, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, wow. nine years worth. How do you think wow. I got this face? <laughs> did you meet a, Did you meet a hockey puck a couple yeah, of times? A couple Is that times. what you say? Got a nice scar right here. <laughs> I didn't know that. Show it. Yeah. And everything like that. So and everything like that. Yes. That's uh. That's really cool. tell you one one thing that's really far away and that's the premiere the new premiere of the stranger things season they're th- they're thinking now 2025 maybe wow. it's when their new season will come out because of all that's going on you know and they're setting them back you know and everything everything like that yeah so <laughs> that's yeah, a little happens. writer's strike will do that to you yeah and every, every, everything else and everything like that well i play that because from fox 5 atlanta i'll sneak this in today uh stranger things uh you like ice cream uh-huh. 
Just look at me. Is that a stupid question? <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, the older I got, the more I disliked ice cream, and I uh, ate custard and yogurt instead. No, it just I, it is custard like doesn't leave an aftertaste in my mouth and make me thirsty as ice yeah, cream does. I love but, ice cream, it but a good ice cream is hard to beat. Well, head toward Walmart this week because Stranger Things ice cream will be hitting the shelves at Walmart. It's a stranger thing at Walmart. Just in time for spooky seasons, Netflix has unveiled a new sweet treat that will certainly turn your taste buds upside down, it says. The streaming service announced that fans of the iconic series Stranger Things can enjoy spine-chilling ice cream flavors inspired by the show. Seven ice cream flavors will be inspired by the Scoops Ahoy ice cream shop, like the one featured in the show's third season, and will be exclusively available at Wally World, Walmart, beginning, uh, I guess, this Wednesday. Coming up this Wednesday. Each flavor is inspired by fan-favorite moments from the show's characters like the USS Butterscotch, a Scoops Ahoy classic, by the way, in the show, Triple Decker Extravaganza, an 11 classic is what that is, chocolate pudding-flavored ice cream, a Hawkins Middle School staple from Hawkins Middle School in the show, mm-hmm. and Cinnamon Bun Bites, paging Dustin. Hello for Dustin. So there you go. Stranger Things ice cream. With a year of filming planned and potentially not starting until the end of summer, even fall of this year, which is 2023, any hope of a 2024 season uh, release date for the new season is over for Stranger Things. We now expect Stranger Things, like I said, season five. I'd forgotten they were up to season five. I, uh, I, 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 I didn't miss a season, but I've missed a number. Remember how we were talking about how the Halloween spooktacular, we can't remember the number, I can't remember the retro Palooza yep. shows. I, I, I remember the show name, but not the, the, the number one we're doing. Well, I forgot about Stranger Things, too. <laughs> season five will be released on Netflix sometime in the spring or summer, it says. They're still not really sure of 2025. I think we're about to see That's a the absolute slew earliest. of dates getting bumped. Yeah, and so. they get added every day. And that's and I think I'm sometimes I feel still think like a young guy. I'm like, oh, that's a long way to wait. Not for us now. A no, year passes by mean, now at the blink flies. of an eye. It flies. <laughs> that's a year off. I can't believe it. And, yeah. and then Stacey and I figured out. We found out that one of the shows that we kind of like and we're watching, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Tulsa King yes. on uh, Amazon Prime, which is a great show. I'm really great enjoying it. Show. That's being probably not going to come out until 2024 Ugh. or five. That's that that is a fantastic too. show. But that really surprised me. And I know some people either like him or hate him. I have always been a fan of S- Sylvester Stallone. I just, I like him. I like him as a person. He seems yeah. great in interviews. His movies are usually entertaining. Uh, he's a good director. He's directed a lot of films. He's a, he's a movie star of, uh, in every sense of the word. Uh, a very physical actor. He, I mean, when you when you see stuff like in Rocky and Rambo, he's doing a lot of that himself because oh, yeah. you just can't get away with it back then. You can have a stuntman for a far off shot or some jump or something, but the boxing in Rocky films. That's mostly Sylvester Stallone, and he knows what he's doing. I just went back and rewatched Rocky, I don't know, six months ago? The first one. Ago. Yeah, the original. Oh, okay, good, yeah. And that is just such a it's great It's a phenomenal movie. movie. It, is, it is phenomenal. One and two are both good. Uh, yeah, I, and, I, and even three, I three. can... I always said that Rocky three with, with uh, Mr. T, Yeah. it has the best and most exciting choreographed fight. Yeah. The boxing match, the way it's shot in three... Is the best. It I love the, the fight in three, yeah. and that's the first one Stallone directed. I think was Rocky three. Yeah, yeah, and it was and, still um, believable. Yeah, it was. Still, it hadn't reached that uh, level of Comic ridiculousness book. of Rocky yeah. four when four came out. They just yeah. Rocky four is just a. It, it's a crowd pleasing, mindless yeah, one is. to watch. It's yeah. fun to 
watch. And then five, they went back to their roots and with their original director of the first two films Mm -hmm. with the the fifth film. It was okay. It was a little anticlimactic. I didn't see the last one, though, the one called Rocky. I didn't see Balboa. After these messages, we'll be right back. From your Shriners Hospitals. You know, kids, the kitchen ain't a playground. There's a lot of danger hiding in here. That dangling cord can be a disaster. Especially if they grab hold and yank me. My cord should be up. Hey, you said it. Keep dangling cords out of reach. Delicious cookies can be a tempting treat. I should be over there. Keep goodies away from heat so kids don't get more than a treat. There's a lot of things in here that can burn you. By itself, it's harmless, but filled with scalding hot water. I just wait for a child to grab my handle, then. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, a really bad brain. So to stay out of hot water, keep those pot handles turned in. From your Shriners Hospitals. You know, kids, the kitchen ain't a playground. There's a lot of danger hiding in here. That dangling cord can be a disaster. Especially if they grab hold and yank me. My cord should be up. Hey, you said it. Keep dangling cords out of reach. Delicious cookies can be a tempting treat. I should be over there. Keep goodies away from heat so kids don't get more than a treat. There's a lot of things in here that can burn you. By itself, it's harmless, but filled with scalding hot water. I just wait for a child to grab my handle, then. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, a really bad brain. So to stay out of hot water, keep those pot handles turned in. Radio Shack has the hottest thing on wheels today. Realistic two-way CB radio. We introduced our realistic CB line way back in 1960. And today we have 16 low-priced mobile and walkie-talkie models to choose from. Radio Shack also makes its own CB antennas, crystals, coax cables, and accessories. Equip your car, truck, or boat today with a realistic CB radio. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. I know I'm out of control. I know. My pulse is starting to pound, and the blood is rushing around, and I feel feverish, and I am the doctor. (laughs) And I know all you babies, you sitting at home, and you saying to yourselves, tell me, doctor, when you feel like this, what do you take? Well, I'll tell you. We're back. It's BK on the air. I do want to remind you that uh, Walt is here with me, and him and Alan do a podcast that you can still listen to, by the way. It's kind of on hiatus right now, but if you haven't heard any of them, it'll be new to you if you haven't heard it, called The Wilder Ride. It's mainly based on the career of Gene Wilder and breaking down his movies one minute at a time, like taking Young Frankenstein, looking at it one minute at a time. Blazing Saddles, looking at it one minute at a time. You never know what you're going to discover until you break down a movie one minute at a time and look at it closely a minute at a time. Is that? Am I right? There is a lot to discover. <laughs> it's and every minute is an episode of the show. So if it's 110 minutes long, you got 110 episodes to do of your podcast. And but they're all like 20 minute episodes. Yeah, they go over by, an hour. Yeah, you never you never know. So <laughs> it was fun to be on the ones that I was on, and I had a good time to 
in, in doing it. But um, you do actually other stuff. You've done you've done a, a podcast on just movies themselves. It's still on the Wild Arrive. You guys did a yep. Poltergeist one. Mm-hmm. You did what's some other ones you did oh, besides gosh. that? Um, you did some interviews shows with people yeah, like did, your dad. Yeah, my dad, Beverly D'Angelo from the uh, Vacation film with yep. Chevy Chase. Yeah, she had yeah. some celebrities. Uh, tons of stuff, and uh, and we did two seasons just interviewing people who were interesting. Guy who's right. climbed, climbed Everest five times, uh, the commander of the International Space Station. You had an astronaut, yeah. Yeah, so Which we've done great. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's why I was wondering, Authors why did you have me on? Because you had interesting people and you, you interviewed me. The other guy me. canceled. Oh, and, Lamont. Yeah. Lamont from Sanford and Son. Uh, Damon Wilson. Damon Wilson That's joined right. us. You that had me on to prove, to show crazy. people uh, the, 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 the beautiful uh, re, um, result of failure. With BK. <laughs> we had such a good time. Uh, on there, I'm looking forward to our next uh, thing. Alan and I was I threw out an, a, an idea to Alan. I'm like, if you guys want to just do maybe another special one time thing, because I don't know if you're ready to do it, jump back into a movie one minute at a time. But if you want to do another like one shot where we where we tackle a subject, I talked to Alan about another great subject would might be uh, we could talk about is movie music. Oh yeah, not yeah. not so much songs, but movie song scores to yeah, films like absolutely. John Williams, Star Wars music, Jerry Goldsmith, The Omen, all these orchestral scores mm-hmm. that were that were very impactful and stuff. And I can certainly talk about. It. I don't need many notes for that one. No. <laughs> I can certainly talk about it. And it's a big thing that I love. I've always liked film scores. Well, I think and it's like that, interesting too when you know when I was younger, that just never really hit my gray matter. Yeah. But then as I got older, I was, uh, and I think that where I got to that was Empire Strikes Back. When that came out, I was like, wow, the music really oh, grabs yeah. you. And, yeah. Um, so as I got older, Great that score. becomes more and more meaningful. So yeah, I think that people would love well, that. Scores and music, m- movie music adds to the, uh, it, it heightens the emotion of the scene. Yes. And sometimes directors and, and film score composers, they decide, oh, right here, we don't need any music at all. Yeah. And that's just as important as putting some in sometimes. Well, and if you watch something that. like Castaway, right, where there is no real music, and it's just right, exactly, the ocean sounds and the you kind of get the sense of the loneliness, right. And then the, there's more music used later in the film, yeah. I guess, which is great. And a great composer too, Alan Silvestri, who does a lot of movies, by the way. Yeah, started out. I think the first score I saw him, we just we just rewatched uh, an old movie from the early '80s called Romancing the Stone. The other great day, movie. it just happened to be on. I'm like. I had forgotten just for about a millisecond that this was one of Robert Zemeckis's first early movies yes. and Alan Silvestri's score. They've been working together for a long time, and it's a it's a great kind of a spoof of uh, adventure in Indiana Jones set in modern day. But um, it was a it still holds up if you watch it now. It's still really good. You know, um, a movie that you know, we talked about in Alan's show earlier. Uh, Netflix has a bunch of stuff on Dragnet. Uh, oh, with the, the Dan Aykroyd, yeah. And um and Tom, and Tom Hanks. Hanks, yeah, and uh, that was on this week. And speaking of a score, that is probably the '80s movie score personified. Kind of is, is yeah. that movie? Yeah. It is. I don't know whose um, music it is. I have to look it up. Um, and and people don't know this, but the Dragnet movie. I know it's a comedy, but it's an actual sequel to the TV series. Yes, because yeah, he's 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 Friday's nephew, right? Yes, is that who he plays? Mm-hmm. And Harry Morgan's Harry in it Morgan as Gannon, but he's the captain now. He he's the commander. So in that too. And there's isn't there a picture so of Jack Webb on his desk in the film? Yes. I think there's a picture of him. Mm-hmm. So yep. he he does do a great parody. Dan does of Jack Webb, which if you if you haven't seen it before, if you've never seen that movie, watch it. But Watch the old series Dragnet. It's streaming, and you can watch it online somewhere. I think it's somewhere. I've been watching Adam Twelve on freebie. Oh, I watch that all the time. But yeah. but Dragnet was a, one of the best cop shows great on cop television. Show. And it was thirty mm-hmm. minutes, not an hour. 
Yeah. Back when it was 30 minutes. And Jack Webbs was, was in charge of the entire and they thing. they tackled some serious subjects in that show. And if you watch uh, Dragnet ran in the 50s, went off the air and came back in the in the set, 60s and 70s. Yeah. And uh, the 50s episodes, Walt, if you get a chance to go back and watch them, because most of them are in public domain now. There's no copyright. Mm-hmm. They let it fall or something. Um, they were grittier than the 60s they episodes were. They were. were. In, yeah. Interestingly uh, it violent. It was shocking. Yeah, and, shocking. and very, very well done. Let's do a little on this day in history. We've got a few shows to celebrate today, anniversaries of. Today is September 16th in 1620. Let's go way back wow. to the first one. A couple of years. The Mayflower departs Plymouth, England with wow. 102 pilgrims and about 30 crew members for the New World on this day in history. And look at the disaster. And look built. what we've done. Yeah. Uh, here's another interesting one, even that your dad might find interesting. 1782 is the first date the Great Seal of the United States of America is used for the first time. Oh, wow. In 1782, that design was used for the first wow. time. I thought it was later than that. I thought so, too. I don't know wow. why. And, uh, wow, let's go back. How, how far back can we go on this one? Let's go back to 1963, and we'll learn what television series premiered on this date in history in 1963. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder... We will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image. Make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur. Or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat. There is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. There's nothing wrong with your radio. Well, there is. You're listening to this show. So, yeah, it's The Outer Limits, premiered on ABC television on this day in history in 1963. That's the great and late and great legendary Vic Perrin as the voice of the controller. Oh, my goodness, that guy was uh, in Star Trek. He was he was Nomad, the robot in Star Trek. He was in several episodes of Dragnet. He was all over the place. He was in two episodes of Star Trek, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, yeah, The Outer Limits, which in some ways... I know this is blasphemy to some people that love The Twilight Zone. But in some ways, I watched both shows growing up as a kid in syndication. And I sometimes I preferred The Outer Limits just a tad more than The Twilight Zone because it was a little more based in science fiction, weird stories. And it was an hour long instead of 30 minutes. But taking nothing away from The Twilight Zone, which was a legendary show with Rod Serling. But I loved The Outer Limits, too, because as a kid... Uh, I think it was Channel 11 out of Atlanta, WXIA. Uh-huh. I got it clearly living in Alabama with my antenna. And Star Trek, they would show Star Trek yep. right after Saturday Night Live, I think. Star Trek would come on, I think, at midnight. Yeah. And then they would show The Outer Limits at 1 a.m. And I was up for both of them watching them in the middle of the uh, night on I used to be Saturday. such a night owl. And, and I, I love that. Another television premiere today, 1972, The Bob Newhart Show. Now, that's the sitcom that was based in Chicago where he's the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. My favorite show of his, by the way, is that one. Debuts on CBS TV on this day in 1972. Same year, I think I started the first grade. I think it was in the first grade in 1972. Wow. 1977. 
On this day in history, September 16th, the 90-minute pilot of Logan's Run premieres on CBS TV. Now, a lot of people forget that Logan's Run, after the movie, became a TV show that ran for about not a season maybe or a whole season. But I liked it. I thought the Logan's Run TV show was pretty good. Gregory Harrison from Trapper John M.D. played Logan on Logan's Run, and uh, I liked it. It had it was, it was just a, another sci-fi show to watch, and I thought I it was thought it was good. a great show, great movie. I I kind of understand why it never really caught on, but it was... Oh, it Star did. Wars hadn't hit yet. Yeah. I mean, after Star Wars, that blew science... Because before Star Wars, for a while, science fiction was kind of like, oh, that's that sci-fi yeah, stuff. exactly. Uh, it's got strings on ships and Flash Gordon and stuff, you know, and Star Trek was pretty serious in the yeah. 60s, though. Star Trek was not lost in space. It was much better and serious. Oh, yeah. Lost in space. Uh, and on this day in history, 1984, it's the year I graduated high school. It was 1984. The first broadcast of this series on NBC was broadcast. And I'll give you a little hint. If you and I were to be in this show, we'd have to put on T-shirts and wear jackets over them and wear slacks with Baywatch? shoes and no socks with our shoes. No, you're oh, close. Miami Vice. You know, if at Baywatch, no one wants to see us in Baywatch. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Uh, you're right. Miami Vice premiered on this day in 1984. Yeah, Tubbs and... Um, Crockett. Crockett, That's yes. right. That's yep. uh, Don Johnson and uh, the other guy who I don't remember. Yeah. And no one remembers the, the other, other guy. guy yeah. So. The other guy. Yeah. And didn't uh, um, uh guy played Don Johnson? Yeah, Don Johnson. His... um. Who's his daughter? His daughter's an actress, right? Yeah, I can't think is of it, who it um, is, but yes. Who is Di- and and the mother's Melanie Griffith? Is that right? Mm, yeah. Who is right. their Who yeah. is their daughter? Why can I not think of? Oh, it's it was the girl from Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh uh, yeah. Isn't that girl? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that girl their I daughter? Right. I think it is. Yeah, if I'm wrong, I'll get right. corrected. Yeah. Uh, birthdays today include. I don't have everybody's birthday, but they fit the template of this show. Some people go, "How come you didn't tell that it was John Falkelfimer's birthday?" I'm like, "Well, <laughs> right. I, he's not part of the show. I, I don't know who right. he is." Uh, today is Alan Funt's birthday. You may remember oh, Alan. Yeah. He was the American TV host and creator of Candid Camera. Yes. You know, before these reality goofy shows they have today, <laughs> where he they do stupid the things, he did it first. Stuff, yeah. He died in 1999. But in the 70s, I watched the 70s version of Candid Camera. I know it was on in the 60s, the black and white episodes, too. But the 70s one is the one I watched. Yeah, smile. You're on That's Candid right. Camera. With a hocus pocus, you're in focus. You're the star today. <laughs> and that old lady hits the guy in the <laughs> butt right. <with> broom. <laughs> or the guy throws the, the bowling ball at the pins and they all break oh, into a million yes. pieces. Yep. You always remember it. Candy Camera. We love that show in syndication. Today is, hey, talk about detectives and stuff. It's, it's Peter Falk. It's Columbo's uh, birthday yes, today. He Columbo. died in 2011. I hope everybody's not dead on the birthday. No, they're not. Ed Begley Jr.'s birthday is today. American actor. You know, he was in Battlestar Galactica. He was one yeah. of the uh, fighter pilots. He was eating eating Raul saying elsewhere Great parenthood he was in Batman uh, forever and he's with, one of those guys who can do serious he can do he can. comedy he's great and today's Mickey Rourke's birthday oh yeah BK on the air with a focus you're in focus it's your lucky day you're on candid camera it's fun to laugh at yourself it's a As other people do, how's your sense of a human? There's a rumor that is on its And now, Mr. Candid Camera himself, Alan Funt. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you very much. 
We'll return after these messages. Now, the good news is, this year we're going to be riding them new Yamaha. Now, the bad news is, they ain't coming in until Tuesday. The more you know about motorcycles, the more you'll want a Yamaha. Well, what'll we do to uh, Tuesday, Chief? Well, we're just going to have to ride. Get him, Fred. In fact, the more you know, the more likely it is you won't settle for anything else. Johnny, catch! Oh, no! Let's tell Mom it was Billy's mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. She'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! We have to get on, we have to get on. We have so much time and so little to do. Strike that. Strike that. Reverse it. This way, please. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air having a great time. Look at there. There's a, there's a train moving through downtown Cartersville in this radio station right now. I don't know why they build so many trains, railroads right beside radio stations and theaters. Why do they do that? Yeah, you'd think they'd have had they the foresight. Blow that horn. Yeah. That's okay. I realize that they have a job to do, and so do we. I tell people, they're like, did I hear a train on your show the other day? I'm like, no, I have a I have a sound effect of a train that I just play every now and then. Yeah. Just blow the horn. Well, I think my Amazon button. order's on that train, so I'm fine. Is it really? It's going in the wrong direction, though. It's headed north, so okay, maybe, maybe they're they taking it to it Walton, Chattanooga, and they got him mixed up with you. <laughs> 770-386-1450 is our number if you want to give us a call and talk about whatever we've been talking about or bring up something new. I don't have any stringent rules on this show except sports. Oh, I don't, then I've got I some stuff to vent about. I don't talk about sports. See, I can't uh, can't talk about sports. Because, uh, <laughs> I can't well, talk, talk sports. about sports movies. I can't talk about sports. No, some <laughs> sports movies I can talk about. Let's do what national day it is today. Today is... Well, I try to mix them together where you can do them all at once, so let's see if I can do it with this one. Today is National Play-Doh Day today. Oh, nice. Talk about one of the nicest smells in the oh, world yeah. to take you back. A freshly cut lawn uh, sweeping compound on the floor of a school, mm-hmm. when I smell that, and yep. Play-Doh. Those three smells take me back to my childhood just like very yeah. fast. And my grandmother baking bread in the oven in the kitchen. Those are the smells that take me back like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, we'll soon have a little granddaughter running around. So oh, that's will right. Be, you uh, will be a part of my life Look again. Look at you and Alan. Alan's soon to have a new yeah. uh, son-in-law. Crazy. And you're about to have a little uh, rugrat grandkid grand running yeah. around. So you guys are crazy. And I may, I need to check make sure my dog's not expecting. When I get, <laughs> well, if my dog's expecting, it'll be a that's miracle because she's not supposed yeah. to be able to do that. Uh, National Play-Doh Day today. I love playing with Play-Doh. Uh, it is also International Eat an Apple Day today. Oh. So if you like apples, they're good for you. Good you know, advice. they always say they keep the doctor away, but I don't know. Eat an apple if you want one today. If not, don't worry about it. What's your favorite apple? Do you have a favorite? I have a couple. Uh, I like Gala and um, what is the other one? The um, Gala is probably the one I, I you know, is my go-to. I like the my favorite apple is the one that's used for baking because it's so tart and I yeah. love it. I mm-hmm. love Granny Smith apples because I like that uh, tartness. Yeah. I like that, you know, pucker up a little bit apple. I, re- I really like that that, yeah. that apple taste that Granny Crisp has. Well, as now much the, as I'm trying to be good, I cannot wait to get up to the, the mountains here in a couple of weeks and get a good fried pie. Oh, yeah, those are great up there. It's I amazing. love those. There's two or three places you can go up there, oh, but you're yeah. talking about the main one, which is great. Um, 
Uh, I do like the ambrosia apple as well. That, oh, that, yeah. that yeah. one's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. So, yeah, so it's an International Eat an Apple Day, and today is also Batman Day. Wow. September the 16th is Batman Day. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Probably the most vigorous Batman. argument I've ever had with my oldest daughter is, is Batman a, su- a superhero or is well, he? Because now, she would define it yeah. that he has to have some, some kind of special power. I threw her out that day. Oh, well, so come on, that's not it, a requirement. Caroline just <laughs> crossed the line. Hawkeye wouldn't be a superhero then if that under that criteria. No. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any special power. No. He just has his wits, he's good aim, and he has arrows. Well, Iron Man. So I go. mean, Iron Man, yeah, he don't have any special argument, power. So. He doesn't have any power. He just has a suit he wears. So he himself doesn't have any superpower. Right. Now, one would argue his super intellect, that's his power. Right. And I would say that about Batman because he's considered, I guess, next to Sherlock Holmes as the world's greatest detective. I would not disagree with that. And oh, uh, it's great. Inspector Clouseau. Oh, yeah. And Columbo because it's Columbo, Columbo. premiered yeah. on this day. Uh, Batman Day. So how can I mix these together? Well, I guess you could uh, break out some Play-Doh and get the Play-Doh playset that has the Batman yes. things in it. Push the Play-Doh through there to make Play-Doh bat symbols while you eat an apple. Yeah, there is how you can celebrate <laughs> all three of those days today. Go. I try to mix them together. I don't know if I how well I do that, but um, but I also got this story here. Uh, I I got this one because I knew Walt was coming in today to fill in for Alan and Walt and Alan do a Wilder Ride podcast where they talk about Gene Wilder and his movies and stuff. And uh, I saw this story on MeTV, and I wanted to bring it in today because you are going to be here. Hacky, come to money, the money. Monet, say it. Monet, 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 introduction to Harvey Corman with Tim Conway. I mean, talk about two guys that cracked each other up and you saw it uh, yeah, and they never absolutely. edited it out. They were so funny. Well, there's a story on MeTV. You're going to find this fascinating. I don't know if you heard about it or Alan knew about it, but Mel Brooks says, working with Harvey Corman was very dangerous. Oh, I, I can is imagine. what he said. Harvey Corman was the absolute lifeblood of the Carol Burnett show, as we said. No other performer in history could so convincingly portray both the Stooge character and the voice of reason, the straight man character as well, as Harvey Corman. Now, in a comedy world filled with double acts, Corman could be the Jerry Lewis or the Dean Martin of a given scene. I think you'll agree with me on that. He yeah. could be funny or serious. Mostly serious is what he did. Uh, he could be silly. He could be the authority figure. He could be both at the same time. He was a crucial... He was crucial to any ensemble that would have him. When he left the Carol Burnett show, he cited his departure as a key reason for the show's cancellation. When he left this mortal coil, when he passed away, he left behind a great comedy legacy and a long list of collaborators and friends. And by the way, Chris Corman, his son, you guys have interviewed him. I've talked to Chris on the show here, yes. and he shared a lot of things about his famous dad, Harvey Corman. And Chris Corman, his son, is a very nice guy to talk to. Mel Brooks was among the comedy Legends who eulogized Corman in the wake of the latter's of his passing. 
Together, they'd starred in Brooks's Blazing Saddles, widely considered one of the greatest comedy movies of all time, if not the greatest. I mean, we've done a Wilder Ride podcast on the on Blazing Saddles, one minute at a time. Go yeah, work for it. While co-stars Cleavon Little and Gene Wilder carried a bulk of the movie's story, Corman's conniving politician character was a laugh every time he was on the screen in Blazing Saddles. Uh, Brooks, uh, Mel Brooks said in 2008 to the Associated Press, he goes, a world without Harvey Corman is a more serious world. Mm. And that's actually a great quote. That's a great quote. That you could say about him. He said, it was very dangerous for me to work with him because if our eyes met, we'd crash to the floor in comic ecstasy. Mm. We'd just lose it. And he said that. Now, Brooks, Mel Brooks wasn't alone. Countless Carol Burnett show sketches were very nearly derailed, and we talked about this, because of how funny Corman was, whether it was with Tim Conway, Vicki Lawrence, or Carol Burnett herself. Nobody was immune to Corman's uncanny ability to crack a co-star up during a scene. And you could say that about Tim Conway, too, because yes. Tim would crack Harvey up, and Harvey would, in turn, laugh at Tim, which made Tim start laughing. He broke character, too. And it's and it's just watch any scene where it's Harvey and Tim Conway, especially with Tim Conway as the old man that, that mm. walks real slow with the gray hair. He'll crack him up uh, yeah. every time. Mel Brooks also said it was comedy heaven to make Harvey Corman laugh, though, because you, you, they went to a place that they love to be. <coughs> and from this is from MeTV, so I'll give you a, um, a reminder. You can watch The Carol Burnett Show on MeTV weeknights at 11 p.m. and Sundays at 10.30 p.m. Hey, uh, I love MeTV, but you want to know something funny? I don't have it because the, the, the streaming service I have doesn't carry it, and there's no way for me to get yeah, it I don't unless they decide – the way I'm using it to get it. And there's a, there's an app you can get called Friendly TV, F-R-D-L-Y yeah, or something. And uh, I it's, and I looked into it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I have access to that or I might have to pay for that yeah. as an extra app. But all the channels I'm paying for, I know I'm not paying for any more. Because if, to if I pay, pay for any more that. channels, we're going to be back to where we were with satellite. Because yeah, I did this to get rid of satellite to save money. Yeah. And now we're getting to where that point like, okay, let's watch it because, you know, I don't want to get I don't want to get one streaming channel that has just one show. Yeah, I said I don't want right. to get a show just for that. I don't want to just pay for yeah, the channel for that. Because if I stop watching the show, I don't want the channel anymore. Yeah. I've got too much going on in my life to, <laughs> to do that. So well, yeah, like one living thing and I will paying say bills. About Harvey Corman. I've always thought he was funny. I've always th- you know Oh yeah. Thought he was great. Hilarious. He made the Carol Burnett show. Um, just awesome. But Having gotten to be friends with Christopher. Right, his Chris, son, his son, yeah. Um, and Christopher has some special needs that he talks about on our Yeah, on which our is a great... If you haven't listened to it, go to the Wilder Ride YouTube channel or wherever you find the Wilder Ride and check them all out. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great interview, but Christopher loved his dad. And he had oh, he such did. a fondness to him, for him. And him talking about how Harvey spent time with him and what a loving father he was just made Harvey Corman that much oh, yeah. bigger a it ascended uh, him higher for me. when yeah, we thought about you, it. You just realize what a great person he is. You hear so many bad stories about people in Hollywood. And people, With all the other yeah. stars that forgot about their kids yeah, and stuff like that. But Harvey Corman was not that way and I just gained so much respect. He was a legend. Harvey Corman, Count DeMoney. DeMoney. Act. Chat. In. Chin. Chick, arm, charm, ease, cheese.
Colonel. There's something moving out there. Welcome to the moon, senor. Frito Bandito, what are you doing here? Oh, oh I am the moon parking lot attendant. Uh, now, if you will kindly deposit one bag of crunchy Fritos corn chips for the first hour. Always buy two and hide one bag for you. Remember, anyone can be a Frito Bandito. Anyone. You're listening to BK on the Air. This is Mrs. BK, and I'm not listening now because, well, I sleep in every Saturday morning. But I'll catch him later on the BK Escape Pod podcast. Now, back to that man of mine, BK on the Air. Mwah. We're back. It's BK on the air. Thank you, baby. Uh, get a little Brady Bunch there for you because I got a couple Brady Bunch stories here. It's retro. It's retro geekiness. It's what I do. It's, it falls under that template of the show from me to another show. Another story from me TV. You can now own a piece of Brady Bunch history with Eve Plum, who played Jan. Her own memorabilia is up for sale. Julian's Auction has announced a new sale entitled Brady Bunch and More: Eve Plum's Jan Brady and Career Archives. That would make any Brady fans say it's a sunshine day the lot contains scripts behind the scenes goodies and personal items from Jan Brady herself one notable entry is Eve Plum's autograph book which contains autographs from series creator Sherwood Schwartz Florence Henderson who sweetly signed it love mommy Robert Reed Mr. Brady himself and B. Davis Alice and her on-screen siblings all the kids that are left in that big square that comes on the television. You have four, four, three of them on one side and mm-hmm. three of them on the other. I told the guys that when we do the live videos on YouTube, we look like the Brady Bunch because we're all in these squares talking. <laughs> we just need about five or four more people to make it all uh, nine people. And you can get the script for the Brady Bunch pilot called The Honeymoon, which interestingly has the original series title The Brady Brood printed on the outside of the script. With brood scratched out and the word bunch rewritten in its place. That was the original title of the show, was The Brady Brood. And to me, I'm glad they changed it because that sounded like a horror show. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> remember, the, remember the movie David Cronenberg directed called The Brood? It was about a bunch of little kid creatures or whatever, so I'm glad they changed yeah, that. Yeah, that just doesn't have the same. No. Way. The Brady Brood um, also included her Eve Plum's own uh, scripts from some of the series' most iconic episodes, including. The episode, Will the Real Jan Brady Please Stand Up, where Jan dons a big black curly wig in the show to change her looks, and she wants to be someone else. Uh, The other one, the subject was noses, is the other script, where Marsha gets nailed in the face with a football when uh, when one of the guys throws it. She's like, oh, my nose, which they parodied in the Grady Bunch movie, too, by the way. And another episode called Her Sister's Shadow, which includes Jan's famous Marsha, Marsha, Marsha line, where she berates about Marsha being the older sister and getting all the limelight. Other items include episode call sheets, photos of the cast parties, and scripts for Plum's work on westerns like Gunsmoke, The Big Valley, and The Virginian, because she did some other shows. Now, in the wake of Barbie mania, which is currently still going on with us right now, maybe you'd be interested in Plum's vintage Barbie from the 60s that she had back in the 60s as part of her auction. However, our favorite, it says their favorite item included from MeTV 
is a newspaper clipping that Plum apparently kept with all kept with her after all these years. An article from the Los Angeles Times declaring the Brady Bunch the worst of the new shows coming oh out. Oh my gosh! We imagine Eve Plum getting a good laugh out of it while they were on the top of the ratings at the time. Looking at that, so That's it's funny crazy. how they got so many things wrong. Yeah. Every time, you know, they tried to say, "Oh, this is terrible. Terrible. This is terrible." Uh, Robert Reed, that played Mr. Brady, he really did not like being on the show. He thought it was a comedy farce. He was a Shakespearean actor from the oh, stage yeah, and stuff, right. and uh, it was just not very serious. But he stuck with it the entire show. But you know, I don't think he's in. If you read Greg uh, Bar- Barry Williams's book, you find out that there's a good reason why he's why he's not in the last episode because he just refused to be in it. And they said, "Well, you're not you're not going to be in it, so just stay off the set or whatever." And uh, he just refused to be in the last episode of the show. Another reminder. Unbelievable. From MeTV. You can watch The Brady Bunch on MeTV Sundays at 12 and 12.30 p.m. If you want your fix of The Brady Bunch, you can get it. And you can also catch it. If you got Pluto TV, there's a, there's a comedy channel that shows The Brady Bunch and a lot of other comedy shows and, and, and just kind of stream them, all these comedies together on one channel. And one of them plays the Brady Bunch along with a lot of other comedies and stuff. So that's kind of how I get to see it. Since I don't have me TV, you think me, the retro radio rocket man, BK on the air, would be able to see me TV, but I can't. Hmm. <laughs> the situation on my home streaming service make it to where I can't do it. But a lot of those shows I can see in other locations. Oh yeah, see some of yeah. them I have on home video. And uh, Pluto TV saves my life on a lot of shows. You know? Yes. And yeah. everybody goes, "What do you watch Pluto for?" They have commercials. I'm like. I'm like, you know, because it's like watching them in the old days. If I'm watching, let's say, um, let's say I'm watching All in the Family on the Pluto Comedy Channel. What comedy channel they have? Well, they'll play All in the Family. They'll play the Jeffersons, Maud, some of the other shows on that channel. And I'm like, well, when a commercial comes up, I go to the bathroom. I go to the right. kitchen or something. Do what we I'll did add, when it yeah. was original. So it on. really is like it's nostalgia. Yes, Because <laughs> they're it playing is. a commercial, and I'll come back. And if I happen to get back late, I'm like, well, I've seen them 50 times because yeah. I'm not going to miss anything. And Maybe sometimes Mrs. BK will catch me. She'll catch me. She's like, you're mouthing the words to the show. While you're like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And what are you watching me watch it for anyway? Yeah, right. Why are you doing that? But I have well, another. Some of the lines are just too iconic. Oh, they are. I have to... another Brady Bunch story here right quick from Emily Trainham and Fox Business. The Brady Bunch house has sold. The one they had on HGTV where they remodeled it. Because the interior of the house looked nothing like the Brady Bunch Mm-mm. set. They filmed that on a set in Hollywood. But the exterior was a real house in L.A., which I visited. It's great. I've been to the cul-de-sac where it is. Um, but they had to redesign that entire interior of that house on an HGTV special hosted by the Brady kids oh. as they did it to make it look like the show, the interior of the house. For several years, the house in Los Angeles pro- uh, provided a backdrop for the show that started in 1969. The unique home, as I said, was featured in the show's exterior shots. Then in 2018, HGTV purchased the home and did did a complete renovation. Now the home has a new owner. Trina Trehan is a Brady Bunch fan who is also married to TV executive Chris Albrecht. She just purchased the home for $3.2 million. Wow. But... That's considerably less than the asking price that they were asking for it. After spending nearly $2 million on renovations, HGTV listed the home at $5.5 because they really need to, I guess, make them money off of yeah. it. Plus, they did the show. show was over. So, quote, this is a one-of-the-kind property which was impossible to comp, the listing agent for the property explained to TV Line. This is not a home anyone would ever live in, and savvy investors understand that Airbnb rental laws are nuanced and restrictive, it says. Quote, we felt the property was worth about 
three to three point five million, and that's exactly where it landed. There were no intellectual property rights that are included in the sale. HGTV spent about five point five million purchasing and gutting the house, which is why we listed it at five point five million, even though we knew it was an, a huge list price at the time. Trehan, the girl that bought it, the new owner, agreed that the house wasn't meant to be lived in, telling the Wall Street Journal. No one's going in there to make pork chops and applesauce in that kitchen, she says. Anything you might do to make the house livable would take away from what I consider artwork. That's how she's considering it. No one's going to live in it. It's almost like a life-size dollhouse at this point. Now, instead of moving in... Trianne said that she plans to use the space for fundraising and charity events. With that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, there you go. I mean, it could be yeah. treated as a touristy charity thing or whatever. She even called the home the worst investment ever, despite purchasing it for much less than the asking price. Well, she's a fan, and she must yeah. have had the money, the disposable income, to get it. So could you imagine being the biggest fan of something and then owning something from that show that was iconic? That's like you and I are Star Trek fans. That That's like us all of a sudden owning the original model of the Enterprise that hangs in the Smithsonian. Amazing. And then, then I would put it somewhere where people could look at it, like the Smithsonian. I yeah, wouldn't. I mean, like our lobby here. Like, like we have it in our house. What are we going to do with it? We're just yeah. I'm like let people look at it. But take, they, Smithsonian would take better care of it than I could. In 2019, HGTV used the home to film a miniseries, and I watched it called A Very Brady Renovation. It was a pretty cool show because it was the Brady Bunch, and they were making the house look like it used to. All six of the actors who originally played the Brady children: Barry Williams, Greg, Christopher Knight, Peter. Maureen McCormick, Marsha, 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 Eve Plum, Jan, who we're just talking about, Mike Lookinland, Bobby, and Susan Olson, who played Cindy, appeared on the show with hosts Jonathan and Drew Scott. The North Hollywood home gained an additional, they had to put another 2,000 feet on it, including a second story, which cost $1.9 million to renovate it. So in the show, the show has stairs in the living room that goes up to the kids' bedroom and, and their bedrooms upstairs. The, the house they use on camera, it's just a one-story show, a, a house. So they had to renovate it and the back of it to accommodate it. to And they did. If you seen that, if you Gosh. saw that show, they looked for little things like in the background, like the lamps, the horse statue that was in there that, that, that's at the bottom of the stairs. They tried to look for everything. They found all these things at, like, antique stores, looked far and wide for these things to match up a lot of that. And it really indeed does look just like the interiors of the show. Now, it's got you walk in, there's the living room, couch, fireplace, hallway that goes to the kitchen, the stairs that lead up to the newly added upstairs, which it did not have before. Wow. It was it was really amazing. Even the even the if you look at the Brady Bunch house, the establishing shots, the far left of the house has a window up there. Mm-hmm. That window wasn't even on for the show, they had to add that window, just tacked it a little window facade on it for the show because there was no window there. Back in the in the sixties yeah. and seventies. Now, when I when we went by and saw it in our BK Hollywood tour in 2017, we got to go by there and just you know we drove by it. I got out, took some video and a picture of it and everything, and it, was, it had not been renovated yet. It still had the old front to it. It was a little rundown and whatnot. But I got to got to see the actual Brady Bunch house. You'd have loved it because I went to um, well, and I talked about it before. I went to the uh, you know the exterior shots of the title sequence of Sanford and Son. Yeah, where Lamont's driving the truck and he yep. pulls into the junkyard and there's Sanford and Son with a sign. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a plumbing company now. It's just right off the street and it's still there, but now it's a plumbing company. And we went right to that spot and I talked about. It. I'm like right over there. That's worse. That place <laughs> probably gets more junkyard. free advertising than any plumbing company. I don't know. He probably, does he? And, and, dummies like me that go by yeah take <laughs> pictures that. and post it but uh, and you know when we're at the, when we're in the front of the Brady Bunch house I was across the street on the sidewalk you know taking photos and a video and and at one point I was getting ready to leave and I looked over there and I saw the curtains go back just a little bit and look out and there's probably going somebody going there's another idiot out there she's on our street looking at this 
the, 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 the house. I wish they'd go away. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why did you move into a house that was used on a TV show if you didn't think people were going to come by? Yeah. Well, and, and they may not have had any anticipation. They may not. Who knows? But yeah. uh, they lost some money on it. That's sad to hear, but I'm glad that the new owners got plans for it. Yeah. Make absolutely. it kind of a historic thing. So that's cool. Hey, thanks for being here today and having nostalgic fun with me. Hey, I enjoyed it. Thanks As for having me. always. And congratulations on the soon-to-be grandfatherism you're going to be into. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun. Yeah, so that's the baby that starts crying and you can just hand it back that's exactly oh, i'm right. done with it now Take it. it's bk on there we'll see you on the podcast what a bummer